Welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Ray Hughes, and I'm going to be sharing with you today. And I'm going to be uh, sharing kind of an important story, um, and I consider it to be very important. It's one of the one of the beautiful thank you notes of the Apostle Paul as he was writing to to the, the to the Philippians and. Uh, Really what it is, Paul's writing a thank you note to the believers at Philippi for, for all their help in, in his hour of need. And uh, he was using this occasion just to send along some instruction as well in regards to their unity. And, you know, I think sometimes we need to ha have a little broader understanding of what unity is. Unity is not always about everybody believe in the same thing at the same time with the same intensity or anything else. I think a wonderful definition of unity is, is simply corporate humility. And in this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, his real thoughts toward them is, is quite simple. He says, you know, really only in Christ are real unity and real joy even possible. Otherwise, we're basically left just trying to figure out how to tolerate one another while we find something to agree about sometimes. And uh, sometimes we're just in agreement just, you know, simply because there's not conflict going on. But when conflict comes, we need to be able to reach above the conflict sometimes and grab some things that are ultimately more important than being right about our any particular issue. And of course, we see that in the media today and we see it in the world today and, and nation and uh, nation and nation with all the conflict and disunity that's going on. And all of it is born out of preferences and attitudes. But what Paul is, in, is really speaking to the Philippians is, he says, you know, if you use Jesus as your model of humility and service, you can enjoy oneness of singleness of purpose in your attitudes, in your, in your goals, in your labor. You know, all, all of those are important, the things that we do and also the things that we do together. And uh, one of the major truths that Paul is illustrating here comes from his own life. And it was a message that the Philippians really, really needed to hear because right within their own ranks, their fellow workers and the, and the Philippian church were at odds and they were hindering the work of the gospel going forward. They were hindering the, even the possibilities of reaching lost humanity. But he's writing to them and, and he's saying to the church, he said, look, you know, come on, you guys, stand fast. Come on, be of, be of the same mind. Choose differently was what he was saying. And learn to rejoice in the Lord always is another thing that he's imploring in that letter to the Philippians. And then he sort of begins to wrap it up there with, and but in everything you do, everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, he said, let your requests be known. And then he goes on in that note and says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. You're, in other words, you're never going to figure it all out anyway. 
There's a lot of things that are just going to surpass our individual understanding as well as corporate understanding. There's just some things that are never going to feel like they really come together. But that shouldn't keep us from coming together. And, and then allowing the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Well, it will guard your hearts. It will guard your minds through Christ Jesus. And, you know, he had a real, real deep and personal love for the Philippians. I think this is actually the first church that was founded in Macedonia by Paul. And he starts it off, uh, you know, Paul and Timothy. Uh, you know, he's greeting the people at, at Philippi. And he says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants. Look how he identifies himself. I'm not calling you with some authority born out of arrogance and and position or anything like that. We're bond servants of Jesus, like you, just like you guys. And to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with, with the bishops and the deacons and, and grace to you, peace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then by verse 3 there is where the heart of what he wants to say begins to, to take shape. He starts off saying, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always and in every prayer of mine, I'm making requests for you. I'm making requests for you, every one of you, with joy. He, he's declaring that he finds great joy in praying for his friends for your fellowship in the gospel from, from the first day until now. He's um, conveying to them that there's never been a time that I didn't love you. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he's going to complete it. Come on, guys. No need for all the arguing and bickering and biting and snapping back and forth and and somebody's going to be right. Somebody's going to be wrong. I'm going to be right. That makes you wrong. You know, he, he saw the, the need, and, and it was a deep need. Guys, um, take away all the intensity of expectation. And um, don't be forcing your will upon one another. Those, those are real issues. And, and he said, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. So what you really see taking shape very quickly in this letter is, um, yeah, there's some things that need to be corrected here and just realigned. He says, I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains that in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how, how greatly I long for you all with, a, with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits and righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and to the praise of God. 
So you see that this letter that he has sent really is a, a love letter, a thank you letter, an encouragement letter, an exhortation. He's even telling them how to think and how to express themselves one to another. You know, God is calling, I believe God is calling a, a prophetic generation right now to, to move in, in fresh expressions of the kingdom. I think he's calling, uh, and I'll use Paul's word, all of the saints. And that includes pastors and teachers and evangelists, apostles and prophets. But also it, it includes writers and poets and storytellers and songwriters and musicians and novelists and journalists and, and exhorters and, and friends and people that just demonstrate the kindness of God through the gifting that's alive in them. Um, it's amazing what a bondservant heart will cause someone to do. If you really have a heart to serve and you have a heart to love as an overflow of your worship, and the Bible clearly shows us that our servant's heart should be, should be one that is, comes as a result of the overflow of our worship and our relationship with God. I believe the Lord's calling this generation to find their destiny in Him and creatively express His values to and through the kingdom. And, and when I say that, I, I believe that local churches are supposed to be the creative art centers of our community. And I dare say we could, get, we could be a whole lot more creative in the way we present the Lord, a lot more creative in the way that we love and a lot more creative in the way we serve humanity. You know, we should be those who invite and inspire innovators. Uh, invite and inspire one another. And, and invite somebody into your life and, and value who they are and value what they carry. That's what, that's what Paul was doing here, making sure that, uh, that those people knew how much he loved them and how much he desired to see them doing what was only capable of being done through the power of the gospel in their life. You know, sometimes uh, true innovation is nothing more than revisiting and redefining old disciplines. And uh, whether that discipline be connected to our art, or if it's redefining old disciplines that we've allowed to you know, become lax and, and sneak away out of our life. Sometimes just a discipline can be nothing more than reminding ourselves and revisiting the possibilities of just how, and saying, you know, acknowledging just how valuable kindness is, uh, just how valuable our art can be as a gift to someone's life. You know, and I know it sounds so overly simple, but I mean, as a next-door neighbor, you know, taking taking uh, a gift, uh, leaving a blessing, leaving a surprise somewhere. Uh, and sometimes true innovation can be as simple as restating the words of God in such a way that they become a new sound and a new song, maybe a new language and a new generation that's never heard the gospel. I'm always shocked to find out how many people really have never really heard the gospel. What Paul is saying is, let's not be 
found as a people who is not living out the beauty of the gospel and the power of the gospel. You know, as we experience life, our, our worldview is shaped and changed by the values and the worldviews of those around us. And right now, there are uh, a lot of what we call a worldview in people's lives are being revealed and exposed. And, and my goodness, isn't it awkward to try to even come to grips with the way some people think today and some of the things that they're promoting and doing and to one another and against one another and just all of that tension and conflict. And, you know, one of the, one of the last things that Paul makes, makes a statement about in this letter is he says, Therefore, my beloved and uh, longed-for brethren, and there in chapter 4 it says, My beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, Stand fast in the Lord, beloved. And he goes ahead and continues to speak out of his heart toward them. And here again, an instruction, he says, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he makes sure that they hear it again. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And all oh, look here, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it'll guard your hearts, it'll guard your minds through Christ Jesus. And then here's, here's one of the most beautiful parts of the whole thing. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, and whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, think about those things. Meditate on those things. Contemplate those things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. Look at that boldness, everybody. And it wasn't born out of arrogance. He was just saying, I hope and I pray that what I have modeled, that you'll really get it. Because he's saying, what you have seen in me and what you've seen in my life, these are the things that you do this. And the God of peace will be with you. And my, my, if there's ever been a time that we need the God of peace to be with us, it's now. And I just speak that over you as a blessing today. May the God of peace be with you.